Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. All right. Amen, church. I'm so excited. I am so excited. Hey, turn to me in your word to Mark, the book of Mark. Wow. Book of Mark. Chapter three. We're going to start in verse one. I've been, Pastor Cliff gave us this, uh, I would call it an assignment to just start preaching a little bit more. And so I started thinking and praying and getting ready and trying to figure out what I like. It's almost like when I was back in school and they were like, you need to write this paper. I'd be like, man, what do I want to write about? Like, I know I want to do good. I know I want to make an A. This and that. It's a little bit different because I don't need y'all's approval as long as God's like, man, Brandon, you did great. I'm good. But I was thinking and, and I was just sitting praying like, God, tell me, tell me what you want me to say. Tell me what you want me to do. And it's just one of those things where just two words just like never left my head. And those two words are the title of my message is stretch out. And you're going to you're going to hear. So in Mark chapter three, verse one it says Jesus entered the synagogue again. And a man was there who had a shriveled hand in order to accuse him. They this is speaking about. The Pharisees, the Pharisees, they were watching him closely to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath. We're going to go right now. Side note, I'm going to tell you this. When you have somebody who is constantly looking to tear you down, to hurt you, and to see you fail, promise you they're watching closer than the people who want to see you succeed. So the Pharisees wanted to accuse Jesus. They they intentionally watched him. It's like when y'all watch the Cowboys, but all y'all do is hate on the Cowboys, like, get something better to do. Like, get a hobby. Like, for real. And the church said amen. Like, come on. Cowboys suck. You watched it. You gave them the money. I don't know what you, what do you want? Good Lord. But the Pharisees watched Jesus closely in order to accuse him. That was their only goal. They didn't care about what was about to come. So they watched him closely. So he told the man with the shriveled hand, stand before us. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good things on the Sabbath or to do evil or to save or to kill? But they were silent. Because again, when the people who want to see you fail the most, the second you call them out, it's it's crickets. You can be bold enough to say, why do you want to see me fail so bad? Jesus pretty much said, why can't I do what I do? And they, <laughs> they had no answer. They were like, are you going to tell him? I ain't going to tell him. I don't, who's gonna? They were just silent. Because like I said, when you do the things that God's called you to do, people are going to, they're going to hate on you and they're going to watch you, but they will never say anything. So where was I at? So here we go. So they were silent. So after looking around at them with anger, Jesus was, everyone thinks Jesus was this holy always happy. Jesus was angry whenever they would do wrong against his people. The, the, the Pharisees saw this man who obviously needed help and wouldn't do nothing and stayed silent, so he was angered. How many of us need to just be angered at the things that Jesus was angered at? Don't be angry because they messed up your order at McDonald's. Be angry because they're treating that, that employee bad. Like, that's messed up. So he was angered. So he was angered at the hardness of their hearts And then he told the man this. He said, stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out. And here we go. His hand was 
restored. Yeah, I think Jesus said the word, got the word stretched out from this message. So, but here we go. Immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. Now this right here, this story was the start of the execution of Jesus. And to me, it, it's so crazy to me that you can sit there and witness firsthand a miracle. This man who had this shriveled hand, he, he lived like this, and he was healed right in front of their eyes. And instead of gazing in the miracle, the first thing they thought of is, how are we going to kill Jesus? Because he didn't do what we said he was going to do. We just want to be, whenever you listen to the voice of God, whenever you go about your life and you're doing what God told you to do, you're going you're gonna to run into people who constantly, Javon said it, they're constantly going to try to find a way to tear you down to make you feel like you're unequipped, that you aren't, um, you're not ready, you can't do it. They're going to say, you just, your parents were like this, you're, you're going to be like that, you can't make a change. And you can do the best things you could do. And in that moment, they're still going to try to find a way to execute you. So, so whenever he said stretch out, it says it in the, in the scripture. Stretch it out and his hand was restored. I want to talk to you today about this concept of stretch out. And I want to teach you and just kind of tell you that the way we stretch out, when we stretch out, that's when our lives become restored. So the Pharisees, they didn't care about that miracle. The Pharisee, well, a Pharisee in your life, a modern-day Pharisee, they'll overlook a miracle because it goes against what they see fit. So Jesus, even a couple verses prior, in Mark chapter 2 and verse 27 um, they were walking through, and somebody accused him of working on the Pharisee. And Jesus said, the Sabbath day was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath day. So the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. So Jesus literally tells them, he goes, listen, the Sabbath was made for man. Because man cannot, I mean, and the, the whole thing was, here's the thing, the Pharisees studied, and Jesus, I mean, God rested on the seventh day. So it was just accustomed to rest on the seventh day. And this was a day that you weren't supposed to do anything. You were supposed to sit at home. How many of you wish you had a day that it was lawful to just sit at home and do nothing? Sit at home and watch your TV and drink a little coffee and whatever that is. And they got mad. But Jesus said that it was made for man. Man was not made for the Sabbath. You're, you're, the intention of man, the purpose of man was not to rest on that seventh day. It was to work. It was to heal. It was to live for God. So the Sabbath was for man because we cannot do it all. And I want to ask you this. Are you like these Pharisees? I want to ask you, and I want to challenge you to look into your own heart and ask yourself, am I like these Pharisees? And I have a couple points. So a couple things that contribute to that is, number one, are you better with a magnifying glass than you would be with a mirror? Are you better at magnifying the troubles and the faults and the things that people do that don't necessarily align with your beliefs? They don't have to be wrong. What Jesus did was lawfully wrong, but Jesus did do no wrong, but they magnified what he did. Are you better with a magnifying glass and magnifying people's faults than looking at your own reflect, reflection and reflecting on the own faults that you've had? the shortcomings that you've done? Are you the type of person to sit in church and be like, man, you need that. You need what Pastor Cliff just said. 
But when Pastor Cliff says something that you need, you're like, they were silent. They were silent. Whenever you see something, you send everybody all these, man, you need to hear this word. You need this word. You need to be more like this person. But whenever it's something that relates to you, it's like, it's pretty much like you're blind. You're like, what's going on here? Like, are you better at that than reflection? Is your doctrine based on interpretation or is it based on the voice of God? So you see the, the idea of the Sabbath and this law and the way that they were so strict with it was purely, it was through interpretation. It was, it was said, yes, it was said, and they just, and then they ran with it. And the second someone heard from God, when Jesus heard God say, heal this man, it went from their doctrine, and instantly, he was the bad guy. Listen, I can tell you this right now. If you had a Pharisee from back then, and you stood him up right now, you can ask him and say, do you think you did wrong to Jesus? And they would say no. Because they're so stuck in the past interpretation. Here we go. They're stuck in what their old church used to do. We're stuck in how their old church used to sing songs, how their old church used to dress, how they used to look how to do all these things, so that now whenever they're in this church, they're like, this church is unholy. Y'all are crazy. All because their interpretation of what church is, is from the past. It's from what their grandparents said or what their parents said or what they've seen on TV. So are you, do, you, do you base your doctrine off of interpretation or do you base it off of what God's telling you in that moment? And the last, do you crucify people because it doesn't align with your doctrine. Because it doesn't, because, oh, I wouldn't do that, so that's a stupid idea. Is that how you live your life? We don't know the way that God speaks to people. Uh, there, there's, there's so many different ways that God, I had, got asked a question about, um, like, where do you see, like, when you're spiritually seeking things, where do you go? I said, you just have to be aware. Because the way that I, I see something from God is not the same way you will. I will never, do, I, it will never be the same way. So who am I to say, that's not from God. That's, that, God didn't tell you to do that. Who am I to say that? Am I God? Are you God? If someone feels on their heart to say, and I'm, I'm going to sit here, be God honest truth. My fiance, Alizé, right here, so beautiful, sitting in the front row, has a heart of gold because we see people with the need, and she's the first to be like, do I got any cash? Do I got any cash? Do I got any cash? And, I'm, and, and seriously, and again, I'm going to be transparent with you guys. I tell her all the time, they don't need that money. I put on my judgment face. I'm being transparent. I put on my judgment face, and I'm like, they ain't taking my money. I worked for my money. They didn't get home tired like I did. And you know what? And you know what? It's funny, and I'm being transparent, but at the same time, who am I to judge that God didn't put them on her heart? And who am I to say that her giving them a dollar wouldn't open a door to eternal salvation? Just because it doesn't align with what I think, because that's a Pharisee mindset that I'm trying to break in myself. So I want to ask you, are you a Pharisee, not only in your life, but in other people's lives? Do people constantly have to tiptoe around you because they can't even tell you what God told them to do without you being like, that's dumb. You're going to embarrass yourself. Do you have to, like, not sit by certain people because they're going to be like, you really need that word. You need, to, you, need to, you need to be humble. Like, is that how you are to people? We need to stretch out. And, it, and, and being in that Pharisee mindset 
is a way of just being stuck. You see the word stretch, there's a couple different ways of stretching, but the two most common ways that you stretch is you stretch when you first wake up. Everyone gets that, I like to call it like that shaky leg stretch where you stretch so like your legs start shaking. You're like, ugh. So you, right when you wake up, after you sleep, instantly you stretch. It's just that's what it is. Or if you've ever been sitting, if any of y'all have worked in an office or something, you sit in one place for a long time, you get up and you're like, oh, I got to stretch. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, my. Or in another case, it's when you're stuck. So the Pharisees lived their lives in a stuck position. They were set in one place, in one time, they never moved. What they were told to do is what they did. And they didn't, they didn't do anything different. They were stuck. They did not know how to stretch out. So they were also asleep. So we, can con- we cannot continue to say we live for God when you're sitting there asleep or when you're sitting there stuck. I live for God. I love God. I'm going to serve you, God. And God says, go do this. I can't. I'm stuck. Or you're sitting there and you say on Sundays like, man, God, I love you so much. Thank you for all you've done. And then Monday comes around and God's like, let me use you. And you're like, (laughs) you're asleep. We can't sit there and just pick and choose and be like, no. We cannot be one person on Sundays and another person on Monday. Pastor Brandon, that's so cliche. If it's so cliche, quit doing it. Like, just, just do it. So we need to learn to stretch out. And we get so caught up in things nowadays. Life is so busy. So, so busy. And, and some are busier than others, but it gets so easy for us to shrink God to fit our life. But that's not what we were made for. We weren't made to do that. We were made to stretch our lives to follow the word of God. It's so easy to sit there and say, man, it's like 845, worked all day. I'm not going to go to prayer. I mean, they're about to close anyway, so looks like I'll go next week. That's shrinking God to fit your life and your agenda and to fit what you want. I want to go to bed early. Okay. You think Jesus wanted to, too? If you, if you read the Bible, it just talks about how Jesus had sleepless nights, just healing. And you know what? Jesus had long days, too. We're watching that, that show, The Chosen. And there's, there's a scene in the, in the Chosen where, like, all of his disciples are arguing just about dumb stuff, as we do, too. Like, we complain about dumb stuff. We argue about dumb stuff. And Pastor Andy told me about it. Like, Jesus comes up after a long day of just healing people. While everyone else is arguing about their first world problems, and they're like, oh, my life is so bad. Jesus is out there doing the hard work, and Jesus was like, good night. He's tired. Jesus was tired, too, but that didn't stop Jesus from being in his word, worshiping, praying, and doing all these things. So when it comes to stretching our lives, we want our lives to be restored, but we don't want to stretch. We, we complain. We all of us, we complain so much about things we can control. Oh, my gosh, it's hot in here. Turn up the AC. Oh, my gosh, it's cold in the church. Bring a jacket, okay? It gets hot when all y'all get in here and start singing. All of us get so worked up, 
and we get annoyed and we complain about things we can control. So when we want our lives to be restored, we have to stretch. So I have four points. Number one, we need to stretch our worship. We need to stretch the way that we study in the word. We need to stretch our prayer. Then we need to stretch in the way that we surrender our whole life to God. We have to stretch in the way that we can totally let go of the steering wheel and say, God, do what you do. Because here's the thing. A lot of us are like, God, do what you do. Not yet. God, do what you do. Not that way. God, do what you do. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm not ready. We have to surrender. So, so we need to stretch our worship in Psalms chapter 150, verse 6. It says, let everything that, have breath, that has breath praise the Lord. Like, it's, it's so hard to think we were created. Like, this is what we were created for. Worship. Pastor Cliff says all the time, you weren't created to live, get a job, pay bills, have a family, and that's it. Like, you, that's just not how we were created to worship. And I want to touch on the base of everyone's worship is different. I can understand people, it's weird, like, I just can't, I, I can't get into it when I live. That's Okay. I don't mean just worship the way that you see everyone else worship. You don't have to sit up here and lift your hands and cry out and this and that and wail and scream and all that. If that's not your way, that's not your way. God doesn't want, the, the, God doesn't want you to show off your worship. He wants you to be intentional with your worship. So when we start to stretch our worship, that's when we, we're on the right path to being restored. Like there's the first step. We need to stretch our worship. The next one is we need to stretch the way that we study the word. It's, it's so big. I, I talk to your, obviously I, I pastor your students. I don't just talk to them. I pastor them. And last week we were in small groups and your kids are a lot of things, but they, one thing they really are is smart because they know if they give me an answer of read the Bible, I'll like go on to the next student. So I asked them, I said, what are you going to do this week to, I think it was to um, have a better reputation? So what are you going to do this week to have a better reputation? And the first kid instantly was like, I'm going to read my Bible. And finally I said, listen, we're not going to do this. I don't want this black and white answer of read my Bible. I said, next time you answer, we're going to speak on how we're going to do it, what we're going to do. And here's the thing. Everyone's like, amen, pastor, amen. Y'all do the same thing. Oh, I read my Bible. How? I just read it. Well, how do you study it? I just... I read the verse of the day on you version. Okay. We need to stretch the way that we study. When we study, I told them, when they were in school or whenever they do it, think of it as practice. You, it's, you don't just want to read it. We talked about you can read the Bible all day. You know who else knows the Bible front and back? The devil. There's a passion in the Bible where it just, like, the devil's just quoting scriptures. I said he's spitting bars like it's a rap song. Like, he's boom, 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 boom. He's doing all these things. Reading the Bible, great. But we need to stretch ourselves to study the Bible. Get what it's saying. Take notes. Use it. And I said this too. I said, we don't just need to read the Bible. We need to live the Bible. It's so easy to sit. I said, I can take a textbook right now and I can read it front to back. That's not going to do me no good. It's not going to do you no good if you start in Genesis and end of Revelation and then you keep living your life the same way. At that point, you're wasting your time. I'm going to tell you this, if you think that reading your Bible's a waste of time, if that's how you're reading it, then stop. Like, don't even, I mean, just stop it. And then if you're going to just read your Bible like that and complain because your life's not changing, 
Stop that too. Do that. Don't just read your Bible. Live the Bible. So it was made for you. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, God has breathed life into all scripture. It is useful for, it is useful for teaching us what is true. It is useful for correcting our mistakes. It's useful for making our lives whole again. It's useful for training us to do what is right. By using scripture, the servant of God can be completely prepared to do everything good. It literally says it in the Bible that if you live by this, you are equipped, you're prepared, you are able, nothing can tell you otherwise, that you are prepared to do everything good. No matter what comes about it, you are equipped. So the next one is prayer. We need to stretch how we pray. And again, why we pray? I'm going to tell you all this. I'm just going to challenge everybody. Stop being comfortable. Just like with reading your word last year, what you did last year to read your word, did it take you from here to here? Yes. This is now your new floor. It's time to go. We cannot stay here and then get mad because we're not progressing. If we, if that's just like talking to a brick wall. You cannot be mad at that. So we need to do it. And also when we pray, don't just pray these words. Like have meaning behind it. Have something behind it. Know why you're praying. Know what your prayer is going to do. When you pray, be prepared to see a breakthrough because some, so many people pray and then something happens and they're like, I'm not ready for this. Well, you prayed. If you're going to pray, be ready for a breakthrough. Know why you're praying and be confident in your prayer. In Psalms chapter 32, it says, let everyone who is faithful pray to you while they can still look at you. When troubles come like a flood, they will certainly or they certainly won't reach those who are faithful. When you build your foundation, more cliche stuff from Pastor Brandon, when you build your foundation on prayer and the word and your worship, when these floods come, it may look kind of scary, but I promise you it won't touch you. It won't touch you when they, when they come and you see the waters rise, but you know you're set on your foundation is with prayer. You know why you pray. You know how to pray. You know when to pray. You live your life. When you base your life on prayer, when these floods come up, it may startle you, but I promise you it will never touch you. These battles are going to lose because you built your life on prayer. It should never be a last resort. We're so guilty of this. We're so guilty of being like, God, I need more money. Amen. Amen, anybody? Same here. Again, I'm going to be transparent. I'm like, God, I need more money. I already spent it all. Maybe if I prayed before and gave my tithes, I'd have more money. We cannot use prayer as a last resort. We can't say, God, I'm on my last leg. I need your help. That's not how prayer works. That's just not how it works. It's not a life raft that we get to throw into the water whenever it's going. It's the whole, the whole first part when you get on a boat and they're like, hey, don't be dumb. Don't fall off the boat. Do that. That's prayer. Ask God. Say, God, I need you. I need you in the good. I need you in the bad. I need you in the happy. I need you in the sad. Bars. Cat said to preach, and I, I mean, rap, and I did. I got it. Someone throw a beat. But prayer has to be always. We cannot just, we can't have prayer as a last-ditch effort to get us out of trouble. Everyone has that one friend that's like, hey, uh, I'm locked up again. Can you come go to the, don't tell my mom. Don't tell my, we treat Jesus, we treat God like that. 
hey, God, I'm in this situation again. Can you help me out? When in reality, if you would have said, hey, before I go do this, can you help me? Can you prepare me? Can you give me some advice? And now at that point, you're not in those situations, so we need to stretch our life in prayer. It's powerful. Prayer is powerful for your family. Moms, dads, I promise you, if you are a praying parent, you will see breakthrough not only in you, but in your kids. I'm not just up here giving you like this little, I'm a, a living testimony to that. If it wasn't for my parents praying constantly, I'd never be in the place that I am now. That's not how it works. It's not, I promise you, when you pray, yes, it affects your now, but it's also just insurance for the generations to come because you've prayed over them, you've spoken over them, they know God because it, I promise you, as, you, as your kid's youth pastor, drag them to church. Drag them to church. Pray for them. Don't ever stop. And when they tell you, you're annoying, quit praying for me, do it some more. Do it some more. And I promise you, when they get to the point where they have nothing else, because of you, they'll know that they have God. And they'll know that they have someone to pray for them. The last point is we need to surrender our life. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, 25, it says, Then Jesus spoke to his disciples. He said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must say no to themselves. They must pick up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. I had this as my last point because it is the hardest point for all of us to do. A lot of us are just control freaks. We want, we want to have our hand in everything, like everything, kids, school, whatever it is, and we're control freaks. And Jesus literally says, he says, you will, whoever loses their life will find it. But if you want to do what you want to do, you can do that. But don't expect, don't expect miracles whenever you do what you want. I sit there and I'm just, I, I struggle with this one. I mean, here we go. All four of those, Pastor Brandon needs to stretch out too. Like, here we go. But when we surrender our life fully to God, it's scary. Whenever you let go, if you, don't do this. But if you're on 191 and you just let go of your steering wheel and don't touch it again, you don't know what the littlest thing can make you go left and the smallest thing. And so what do we do? We constantly have our hands on the wheels. And it's hard sometimes to trust other people. It's hard to be like, grab the wheel. Because you don't trust them. They can just, uh. Sometimes they, something goes in their head and they just left or left. And it's, and, it, and it's bad. But I promise you, Jesus says that if you, put, or you have to put down your life and pick up your cross. You, you cannot have hold of your life. If you have hold of your life, nine times out of ten, you're going to go the wrong way. It may seem right at the beginning, but it's wrong. So when we finally let go and we lose our earthly life, can we find our eternal life. So we need to stop sleeping, and we also need to break the pride that has you stuck, and we need to stretch out. Let's do this. Can I get that chair? I almost thought about it like this. I was thinking about this. We're about to lose the mic, so. So it's like, and he can be the one that we call to when we hurt. When we feel like the world is against us and we feel like we cannot make it out ever, we say, God, I've stretched all I could. And we say, God, I, I, I tried, but I trusted you. 
We say, God, these floods are rising and I'm scared. We say, God, I don't know what to do no more. And he says, stretch out. Don't stop stretching out. Yesterday I was in, started my CrossFit journey. Hey, man, are y'all lucky y'all didn't hear me grunt? I am sore. I, y'all thought I was crying. I, I'm hurting. But I started yesterday, and we were sitting there, and we were doing our thing, and I look over at Stefan, and Stefan's on the floor, and he's like, just on the floor. I was like, man, he's dying too. And I look up, and Stefan starts, like, praising God. And I almost broke down because in that moment, Stefan didn't wait till he get home to pray. He didn't put God into his timeline. He let God take over his life, and it was time. It was time to pray. So as we stand all over this place, I want to say this. There's people in here who's cried out. They've, they've given a cry for help. They've been like, God, I don't know what's next. I don't know what to do. I don't know how it's going to work. Eric, I need that back. I just need, I just need that. You're good. You're good. It's my fault. We said, we, like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how I'm going to get past Or there's people who have been so stuck in their ways before, so stuck on what people say about them, so stuck on their past, about their family's past, that you're just like, there's no way that I can stretch out and serve God that way. There's no way. I can't do it. And I want to tell you this right now. Just just like in the Bible, God, Jesus says, stretch it out. Stretch out your hand. And it may not be your physical hand, but your spiritual hand reaching for God, stretch it out. And I want you to stretch it out. And I want you to say, God, I give you everything. God, I promise to stretch out this year in my word, in my worship, in my prayer, in the way that I study, in you being total king of my life. God, I don't want to be in control no more. I want you to be in control. I know we have baptisms and all, but I want, to, I, I want our prayer team to come down. And I just, God's telling me right now that there's people in here who do not know what to do next. There are people in here who have been asleep. They have been stuck for years, more years than you can count on two hands. And you've been stuck or you've been asleep. Today is your day to wake up and today is your day to stretch out. And here's the thing. We're not going to stay for long. I want to tell you this before, before we're going to worship. Pride is the root of being stuck. When you're stuck, nine times out of ten, you're stuck to pride. I can't get out of my seat. Everybody will know that I'm broken if I get out of my seat. It doesn't matter. It's time to stop being stuck, and it's time to wake up. It's time to stretch out. So we're going to sing the song of worship, and we're not going long, so if your heart's beating fast and your palms are kind of sweaty and you don't know why you're feeling like this, maybe it's your time to stretch out. And maybe it's your time to come and ask for prayer. We want to pray with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.